0: Welcome to the Matt Watch That Podcast, the place for reviews, rants and randomness. I'm your host, Matt Sarosky, filmmaker, film fan. Each episode, I'm gonna watch a movie or TV pilot that I probably should have seen but never got around to. It could be a recent favorite, critic's choice, or cult classic. Everyone can join in on the fun. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Matt Sarosky. You can subscribe to my YouTube page where I'll post videos and clips from the show. If you have any opinions on what I've discussed or suggestions as to what I should see next, use the hashtag MattWatchThat on social. Before we start, we're kicking off the new season of the Matt Watch That podcast with back-to-back episodes. That's right, a double feature, if you will. Two classics in their time. But first, I hope everyone had a happy new year. Can you believe we've made it to 2022? I have a good feeling about this one. I dare say things might be getting back to normal, or a new normal, as it were. I've never been a big fan of New Year's. I certainly look forward to being off from work, getting some time to recharge, do some writing, binge some series, work on music. But as a holiday, it feels like an afterthought, especially with all the festivities of Christmas. I mean, it's got lights, songs, cookies, presents, and New Year's has... a ball dropping. Woo! Even the point of the holiday is moot. I don't know about you, but I've given up on resolutions, because even if you want to turn over a new leaf... It's tough to do it in the middle of winter. Want to take care of that spare tire? Go out for a run. Oh wait, you can't, unless you want pneumonia. Or if you're in LA and you go out for a run, you're going to get assaulted. Though the highlight has to be the television marathons. Sci-Fi Network always shows the Twilight Zone. I think the most fun about watching those episodes are the number of classic actors you can spot when they're younger. William Shatner, Burgess Meredith, Veronica Cartwright, Robert Duvall, Charles Bronson, Cloris Leachman, Dennis Hopper, Jack Klugman. The best episodes, in my opinion, is Time Enough at Last and to Serve Man. Both really solid. WPIX in New York always shows The Honeymooners, one of the greatest shows in history. I'm not sure there's been another series that had that large of an impact on entertainment with the fewest amount of episodes. Every one is a classic. Tell me about your favorite New Year's traditions using the hashtag MattWatchThat on social. On to the main attraction. Each review will end with a ranking out of five stars. One star is Skip It, two stars Watch at Your Own Risk, three stars Standard Fair, four stars Worth Checking Out, and five stars Must See. Now, if I give a title five stars, it doesn't mean I'm comparing it to Casablanca, Jaws, or Seinfeld. I rank titles based on other movies or TV series in that genre and at that time period. So let's jump into it. These are my ruminations and observations of the movie. Say Anything from 1989. How'd I miss it? For some reason, I skipped over a lot of 80s teen comedies. Outside of Ferris Bueller's day off Weird Science and The Breakfast Club, none of them really appealed to me. I felt that way about 80s synth pop as well. But in the last five to seven years, I've rediscovered my fandom of everything 80s and realized it was probably the best decade. Say Anything was the directorial debut of Cameron Crowe, who also wrote the screenplay. He would go on to helm Jerry Maguire, Vanilla Sky, and won the Best Writing screenplay written directly for the screen for Almost Famous. This is something to look out for. Stone Gossard, guitarist of Mother Love Bone, Temple of the Dog, and Pearl Jam, makes a cameo appearance as a cab driver. So we meet Lloyd Dobler, a high school senior on the verge of graduation. He's a slacker with a heart of gold, someone you root for, an internal optimist. He lives with his big sister Constance and nephew J-Man, a favor to their parents while they're over in England. The brother-sister pair is portrayed by brother-sister pair John and Joan Cusack. He starred in High Fidelity, Gross Point Blank, Eight Men Out. It's always a nice surprise seeing him in Stand By Me, because I always forget that he played Gordy's older brother. Joan was in Working Girl, In-N-Out, and Shameless, also the voice of Jesse in the Toy Story movies. Lloyd expresses his desire to ask out valedictorian Diane Court to his best friend Corey Flood. He feels there's a connection because they had lunch together once. I should clarify. They were both at the mall, in the food court, separate tables, but that's enough for him to believe they're a match. Again, optimist. But Corey's a big slice of reality pie, shutting down Lloyd's dreams of dating someone in a different social circle. I actually prefer those types of friends. Hey, do you think I have a chance with her? Nope. Alright, thanks for that. But I think it's more out of caution and caring than it is to be dismissive. She also had a bad breakup that led her to attempt suicide. Corey is played by Lily Taylor, who worked on Mystic Pizza, Rudy, and Ransom. Anyone remember that film? I haven't seen it played on TV in, like, at least 10 years, but it's a really suspenseful movie. I also saw her on Broadway in the play Marvin's Room with Janine Garofalo. There's a third friend in their party named DC, but she's about as useful as a BA degree in film with a minor in mid-century art. So Diane is a brain trapped in a body of a game show hostess, but doesn't realize how attractive she is. She lives a somewhat sheltered life with all her focus on academics, never having the time for parties or socialization. She's performed by Ione Sky, known for Wayne's World and Fever Pitch. Lloyd summons up the courage to call up Diane. He's intercepted by her father, James Court. He owns a nursing home where his daughter works, and currently under criminal investigation from the IRS for taxes, John Mahoney of Moonstruck in the Line of Fire and Fraser fame plays the father. He tells Lloyd that his daughter isn't home and jots down the message to call him back. James receives another call informing him that Diane won the Reed Fellowship. She'll be studying at the finest institutes in England. When she arrives home, Diane sees the message from Lloyd and gives him a call. She initially rejects his offers for a date, but he convinces her to go to Valerie's party, which is all the rage. This is my odd movie observation. Lloyd arrives for the date in a brown trench coat. Why were teenagers in the 80s dressing up like Columbo? So the party is a success for their relationship. Diane enjoyed herself and felt like she fit in for the first time. She didn't keep anyone at a distance. But it wouldn't be much of a movie without conflict. She made their second date a family audition, having dinner with her father, his accountant, and two employees from the nursing home. James believes that Lloyd is beneath his daughter with no plans for the future. This puts a crimp in their budding relationship, along with Diane's pending departure for England. Now for a little trivial trivia. If the dojo where Lloyd teaches kickboxing looks familiar, it's because it was also featured in The Karate Kid. I really liked Say Anything. It's a mature 80s high school romantic comedy. I've always enjoyed Cameron Crowe's work. His movies seem much more accessible than other writer-directors. This film seems like the next evolution from The Wildlife and Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which I actually forgot he wrote. The dialogue between friends feels very genuine, and in fact, as someone who had many best friends who were girls, pretty spot-on accurate, I've had some of these same exact conversations. I was definitely pulling for Lloyd and Diane. He's pulling her out of her shell. She's making him want to be a better person. Both will grow from the relationship, whether or not they stay together. It's got a strong supporting cast with Bibi Newworth, Pamela Adlon, China Phillips, Jeremy Piven, Eric Stoltz, and Dan Castellaneta. It's more dramatic than I expected, and I'm happy with that. There are too many goofy teen comedies out there. This one feels more elevated. Here's a quote without context. The world is full of guys. Be a man. Don't be a guy. Say Anything was executive produced by James L. Brooks, Oscar-winning writer and director of Terms of Endearment, co-creator of The Mary Tyler Moore Show, Taxi, The Tracy Ullman Show, and developed The Simpsons with Sam Simon and Matt Groening. The cinematography was captured by Laszlo Kovacs, whose filmography includes Easy Rider, Five Easy Pieces, and Ghostbusters. It was edited by Richard Marks, who was nominated for Best Film Editing Oscars for As Good As It Gets, Terms of Endearment, and Apocalypse Now. Not to be confused with Richard Marks, the right-here-waiting-for-you singer-songwriter and snarky tweeter. The score was co-composed by Ann Dudley, who wrote the music for American History X, The Crying Game, and won an Academy Award for Best Music, Original Music, or Comedy Score for The Full Monty and Richard Gibbs, who worked on Ladybugs, Queen of the Damned, and Dr. Doolittle. The soundtrack featured songs by Living Color, Cheap Trick, Depeche Mode. I feel like I'm forgetting one. Ah, yes, Peter Gabriel, of course. Now, I've never been a big fan of his solo work. Actually, I wasn't a fan when he was in Genesis either. But In Your Eyes is a top 10 song for me. I never get tired of listening to it. And his rendition of Heroes is beautiful and was featured over a very emotional scene in Stranger Things. Inevitable Stranger Things reference. Really? You created a stinger for that? Oh boy. The music was geared toward the genre of rock, which kept the movie more timeless, whereas if they used Aha! and Flock of Seagulls, you could instantly peg it as the 80s. The runtime is 1 hour 40 minutes, it had a budget of $16 million and grossed $21.5 million at the box office. I give it 4 out of 5 stars. Add half a star if you're a Gen Xer. If you've seen Say Anything and have opinions on the movie, let me know what you think using the hashtag MattWatchThat. Doom. Moving right along, each episode, I'm going to post clips that I think people should watch. It could be movie trailers, music videos, interviews, or something completely random. Search for my YouTube page and there will be a playlist called Matt Watch That Playback. So I wanted to start the new year outright with some feel-good videos. And nothing says feel-good to me like animals. I came across a video called Animals Reunited with Owners. I'm fascinated by the loyalty of animals. It can be seven minutes or seven years, and when they see you again, it's with unbridled enthusiasm. And you'd think it's only pets that have an emotional attachment. I mean, they've been domesticated for centuries, rely on us for food, shelter, affection. It's evident. But it's wild animals as well. I understand when there's a familiarity there, especially if the wild animal is rehabilitated or raised in captivity. But they still have that animal instinct. That's why you hear stories about chimps clawing their owner's face, bears tearing off a person's arm, tigers attacking their trainers. At the end of the day, they're still wild. But we're not deserving of animals, not only of their dedication to us, but according to the CDC, there are actual health benefits from owning a pet. Outside of exercise and socialization, playing with a pet can decrease blood pressure, reduce stress, and even lower cholesterol. So whether it's a soldier returning home or a rehabilitator reunion, watching their unconditional bond should bring a smile to us all. The clips are available in the Matt Watch That playback playlist on YouTube. Check it out now it's time for the recommendation yes that's the word recommendation with matt in the middle i'm going to end each podcast with my own recommendation of a movie or tv series today i'm talking about the movies that made us created by brian volk weiss he's produced many stand-up specials through his company comedy dynamics He's also worked with my friend Maureen, who I spoke about last season in episode 39 of the podcast. If you were born and raised in the 80s and 90s, this series is the greatest hits of the blockbusters we've grown up quoting. They include Back to the Future, Jurassic Park, Halloween, Aliens, Home Alone, Dirty Dancing, RoboCop, and more. There are interviews with casts and crew members who reminisce about the filmmaking process and how it's influenced pop culture. The only part of the episodes that can be annoying is the voiceover guy. He interjects snarky comments a little too often. It sometimes feels like a 60-minute TikTok video. Let the comedy breathe, guy. You don't have to be funny every seven seconds. But if you can get past that, it's an easy watch. Put it on in the background. Enjoy the trip down memory lane. The Movies That Made Us has been on for three seasons, 16 episodes, beginning in 2019. That's all for this edition of Matt Watch That. Thanks for listening to me babble. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Matt Sarosky. You can subscribe to my YouTube page where I'll post videos and clips from the show. If you have any opinions on what I've discussed or suggestions as to what movie or TV pilot I should see, use the hashtag MattWatchThat on social. Head over to com for the latest news and updates, and come back next time for all the reviews, rants, and randomness. I understand when there's a familiarity there. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Even the point of the holiday is mute. Mute. Lily Taylor plays Clory. I just made up a new name. Gonna be number one baby name in 10 years, Clory. Two classics in their prime. Nope, not in their prime. (laughs) Playing with a pet can decrease your blood pressure, reduce stress, and even lower alcohol. Alcohol? Oh, my God. Alcohol.